Hello and welcome to Sombrero Fallout, where we listen to alternative music through the lens of intriguing themes. Okay, hello there. Welcome to this edition of Sombrero Fallout. You can probably just hear those ravens in the background. I'm in the garden. The weather is sufficiently perked up for me to brave the elements. The ravens have stopped attacking me now. Uh, tragically, their small little ravenette came to a sticky end. Sorry to observe that, but the good side is I'm no longer being swooped and I'm free to come and go as I please. We've got the Festive Forthy coming up during December, uh, in which I intend to do weekly episodes uh, for your delight. Prior to that, got one more episode before we hit the uh, exciting end of the year run. And I thought it might be uh, a good opportunity just while we're waiting for all that excitement to kick off, to do an episode called Before They Were Famous. So bands, when they kicked off, formed a band saying, what's our sound going to be? And very often, it turns out to have been quite radically different from the sound that propelled them to a larger stage. So going to be having a, a passing the magnifying glass over some of the bands in their early days. And to make it a little bit more intriguing, I'm not going to mention what bands uh, I've got lined up for you. Maybe you could keep a scorecard and uh, see if you can spot which each of these bands are. I think most of them you'll be able to, to get it. There's one or two I think will catch you out. Let's start here.
talk about The Passion by R.E.M. from their debut 1983 album called Murmur. Is it fair to say that that early album has stood up slightly better than some of the more rocky leanings that they um, lent on as their career took off? Very popular at the time. I was just talking to a couple of mates in my music club and also to my wife Tamsin. Uh, about this that nobody seems to get too excited about REM now a group like the Pixies have become kind of iconic a little bit timeless and can um, can still sell out a stadium going to see them again in a couple of weeks time because if they're in your town why not but REM perhaps not quite the same effect uh, affected, of course, by the fact that I, th- I think they've agreed they won't reform, they won't tour, which can work for a band, but I think in their case perhaps slightly works against them. Anyway, good to hear that again. Now, if you're a fan of the bongo, you're in for a treat. I'm <laughs> 
Yes, before Mark Boland got going with the glam rock band T-Rex. Oh, oh, hello. Oh, goodness, sorry about that. Not as familiar with that track, obviously, as I should be. Uh, the predecessors of T-Rex were called, to give them their full title, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, and they were more rooted in the folk tradition quite heavily influenced for example by Tolkien's Lord of the Rings and I think the bongo player there is probably a guy called Peregrine Took who was a character in uh, Middle Earth and after about four albums of playing that sort of stuff it was going okay but uh, Mark Bolan was always a bit of a careerist and rather more ambitious than that and spotting the way the world was turning he turned the band into a glam rock outfit but there's something to be said for revisiting their 60s incarnations. So that was uh, Deborah Robed, uh, Deborah, and then reversed. From You can get that on the album Prophets, Seers and Sages, which I think tells you quite a great deal about where they were at at that time. Does it say what year that came out? 1968. And well, actually, uh, rather unusually for Sombrero Fall, I'll be playing another couple of 60s tracks a bit later in the show. What is next? It is this. you 
Mm-hmm. That was Once I Had a Love, also known as the Disco Song from Blondie, recorded in 1975, so quite a few years before they had uh, obviously much greater success. Uh, m- massive hit albums and a string of top ten hits. You can kind of, <coughs> I, 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 yeah, you can see the difference a producer makes there, wasn't it? Mickey Most who came in and said, "Guys, I'm I'm gonna yeah, rule with an iron fist here. You've got some great songs, but you are absolutely not realizing their potential." I think that was true. Fully, it was called the disco song even then, and I know at that time in the seventies, disco was a highly contentious hot potato with riots in football stadiums and disco sucks and all that kind of thing, which seems uh, a very long time ago now. We've become very pluralistic, I think, when it comes to music, and a good thing too. But uh, Blondie clearly were intimidated by abandoning their punk roots and playing a disco song then. <coughs> time moves on, and sometimes in a favourable direction. Uh one of the slight issues with choosing this topic is I've had to typically go back quite a long way uh, because bands become famous over time and then it's only in retrospect perhaps you can see uh, how how they sort of develop from their early days. The next example, you can sort of pick out uh, where this band were heading and it's a slightly more recent, <laughs> i.e. within the, the last 20 years. Uh, example of what I'm talking about here Uh, and this band did eventually turn into a kind of rock behemoth uh, arena filling entity Uh, but before they did that as many bands did they were alternative darlings
From the 2003 album Dead Cities, Red Seas and Lost Ghosts, that's M83, the French band, and Run Into Flowers. And I can see what happened. They uh, that uh, got a couple of million hits, as you can see on Spotify. If we ripple dissolve 10 years later, let's see how much uh, Midnight City gets. <laughs> 813 million. So it's easy to criticise bands for abandoning their more independently flavoured younger days. But uh, as with REM, there's only presumably so many years you can tolerate during your 20s kicking around from city to city in the back of a transit van. Uh, and I understand why bands reach for the commercial mainstream. It happens. Uh, but we don't really celebrate that on this podcast. There's plenty of others, and there's radio where you can do that. And we like to like to have a look at things from the margins, which I think tends to be more interesting if less commercial. Pretty obvious stuff, but that's what we're about here. The next band's an interesting one. Their lead singer, uh, as I understand it, always wanted to be pretty commercial. The thing that held him back was his, funnily enough, his prolific output. Uh, which meant he was always just moving on to the last thing. His love of staying in his his small hometown, which slightly militated against him going on world tours and so forth, Uh, and the fact that uh, for the first several albums, they were recording on a four-track recorder in their basement in their hometown and recording some fantastic music, some of it which sounded a bit like this. That's 14 Cheerleader Cold Front from their 1992 album Propeller by Guided by Voices, who went on to record two of the best albums of the 90s in Alien Lanes and before that B-1000 a couple of years later when they finally got into a, a studio which allowed them to record in eight tracks at the very least, I think it was, if not 16. Uh, but after that, that was the sweet spot. After that, it was a little bit downhill 
uh, and they became a bit blander if I'm honest uh, there's still some high spots along the way uh, but uh, that was very much the peak guided by voices experience if you're not familiar with them those would be the two albums I would recommend next band turned into something I really don't like that much at all but when they started off they were influenced by c86 indiness uh, and they sounded quite fresh or as happy and fresh as a band with the drug taking subject matter uh, of the following song can be Velocity Girl from Primal Scream, a very early single from 1986, and I was, uh, I think it was, and I was going to play you, if I could find it, which I, in the end I couldn't, an early example of my Bloody Valentine's outfit, which which sounds sort of similarly perky and completely devoid of sort of shoegazy trappings, but they seem to have erased almost every element of it from the uh, internet almost entirely, so I couldn't find an MP3 to import, but. Uh, always you can probably find it on youtube if you wanted to go and dig out the very very early my bloody bloody valentine stuff and see if you can recognize it as the same bands quite entertaining thing to do now ask yourself are you a member of friends of sombrero fallout on facebook would you like to be keep up with the latest developments uh, in our world and exchange news views and so forth with like-minded folk from around the world so there is that option also like to say if you want to write to me directly at iandikaforth at gmail.com and if you scroll down the uh, front page of the sombrerofallout.com website you'll see that uh, address you can write directly to me if you like and someone who took took me up on that option and I hope he doesn't mind me uh, quoting one or two of his things he's written to me uh, with is uh, a guy called Gabriel Plume or Gabriel Plume more likely who says I've not been an avid listener to your pod until the last five or so episodes but I used to listen in the car with my dad that's heartwarming isn't it recently moved to university uh, and I've been using your podcast as a solid provider of new music I like to listen to the pod then find every album you've used a song from and listen to the whole thing the recent one about youth has to be my favorite so far I've only just stopped being a teenager myself, so the lyrics really speak to me. 
And he talks about going down a, a rabbit hole after listening to an, uh, an episode and listening to an album of surf-styled craft work covers, which I myself have not done. So that's great to hear. Um, that's great to hear. Thanks, Gabriel. Really good to hear from you. And it's going to be really interesting to hear this other song from the mid-80s and see if you can spot which this band turned into. When I walk with you, I feel weird When I talk with you, I feel weird When I'm standing here, I feel strange When you're standing here, I feel strange All that I know is my mind is blown when I'm with you. When I'm with you. When I'm with you. When I'm with you. When I'm with you.
So, Light Velocity Girl by uh, Primal Scream. That was also from 1986 from the album Here It Is, H-E-A-R, Here It Is. That was, did you guess it, The Flaming Lips, who made the journey from their kind of noise thrash origins into full-on psychedelic proposition, rather like the band with whom they are often compared, Mercury Rev. And making the making a journey in to a degree the opposite direction was a band who started two bands here. I'm going to play them back to back. We started off in the '60s, latching themselves onto the psychedelic train, before they found quite different destinies in their own different ways. Uh, later on in the '70s, in the '70s. <laughs> tries but misunderstands She's often inclined to borrow somebody's dreams till tomorrow There is no
first you heard from 1967 I want to say probably because it's right see Emily play by Pink Floyd which a track you're probably familiar with that would have been the first time many people would have come across uh, Pink Floyd and they might have said to themselves who's this who's this dark psychedelic band playing down in groovy basements in London look what they turned into uh, those 70s albums from Pink Floyd though I do have a soft spot for one or two tracks on them though you probably won't be hearing on on this program then from the following year pictures of uh, give you the full title picturesque match stickable messages from this band the status quo did you spot it you probably just about work out the continuity with this uh, the uh, singing style of the lead singer there but what very different paths Pink Floyd and the status quo took in later years now we go forward to the late 70s you shouldn't have too much trouble with the first band but uh, if you don't know it good luck spotting what the second band turned into yeah!
two songs from 1979. The first, a man reading out the instructions for a cake mix, intermingled with his regret for the end of a relationship. So What by The Cure from their debut album, Three Imaginary Boys, followed by another band that ended up sounding quite different uh, just a couple of years later. And to be fair, the singer remains the same, but the, the backing band really are quite different, even though the brand name of the band is consistent. That was Adam and the Ants. Did you get it? You might have already known it. And the track called Xerox, and it's always a little dangerous to sing about technology because nothing dates a song more rapidly than that, from uh, their album Dirk Wears White Socks. Now, we've done an entire episode featuring the first year of the following band, uh, but if ever one completely transformed their sound from first album to second, third, and so on, then it was these folk.
from my favourite New Order album, their first, ICB from Movement from 1981. And from about the same time frame, I'm going to finish off with another couple of tracks just before I do that. News from the domestic front. Scott is leaving home. Yes, you heard it here first. Well, not quite. Uh, we've been familiar with this news for some time now. So he's heading up to Clifton Hill. Look out uh, the inner northern ring of Melbourne. There's trouble on its way. He's been hacking away on a typewriter for the last uh, few days. Uh, Scott is getting very excited about his typewriter. So that's good. Caught up with uh, my oldest son, Jamie. We went round from here to his place. And also I went to a completely pointless cricket match with him. Uh, not the World Cup final, but a follow-up match that uh, made no sense to anyone. So that was a nice thing to do. Alex, uh, it turns out Alex has had glandular fever, and that's why he's been feeling off the ball. But he's um, on the mend. Uh, meanwhile, Toby is going under the knife tomorrow to take out some of his upper canines, which are beginning to rot. So... Uh, and uh, Tammy is finishing up at her work at the end of the year and starting new employment. I, meanwhile, am recording this podcast. So I think that brings you more or less up to date. I won't mention the World Cup because uh, that is too much of a contentious hot potato for very many reasons for me to get into right now. <sighs> Let's finish off with a couple of tracks from... Uh, did I just say this? Yes, well, OK. A couple of tracks from similar period, from the last three, from the uh, end of the 70s, start of the 80s, from bands who started off well and then turned out badly.
Well, there we have it. Uh, the last two tracks tonight from Signing Off from 1980. That was King, tribute to Martin Luther King, from UB40. Which, if you're not familiar with it, and why should you be if you were born after the fact, was the name of the employment form that you had to fill in if you were unemployed. And that sign on, it's called UB40. Fact fans, and then after that, you heard from the sister, the Sons and Fascination Stroke Sister Feelings Call Double from 1981, I think. 982? 81, I think. Uh, seeing out the angel by Simple Minds before they turned into Stadium Rock Behemoths. Um, other news, just quickly. Uh, had a really good music club around at Seeds who hosted and cooked and did the quiz, which I drew. Uh, my team, should I say, drew. Uh, and that was uh, great fun. What did I have to get back for? I had to race back for something or other. Yeah, now we're going around to Jamie's. There's that. And then uh, we also had a cinema club where we watched Infernal Affairs, the Hong Kong film upon which The Departed, the Martin Scorsese Oscar winner, is based. I preferred it to the, the Hollywood remake, a view which was not shared by my uh, colleagues I in the club. I did considerably worse in the quiz at cinema club. And uh, Ollie beat me to the button virtually every time, even though I knew some of the answers. Uh, should be a golf handicap system whereby older people are given a little bit of an advantage to compensate for the fact that their reflexes have gone off the boil. Festive 4th, as I say, will be coming up uh, all being well over the next three episodes. Something for you to look forward to. See if any of your favourite songs from the year's year features in it. Uh, that's uh, pretty, pretty much it from me. If you want to listen out for me on commentary, I'll be on Guerrilla Cricket's commentary during the three tests of the England-Pakistan Test Series for uh, Cricket Files. Uh, in the meantime, see you next time. Stay well.